Okay, guys, it's 2023. What does that mean? Well, as much as I may want to resist going with the ye old New Year's resolutions, I do find that in January, I have a renewed sense of energy and desire to make some changes and get back on or just get on for the first time, the horse of health and well-being. Now, in the midst of our seventh season of Heal, I wanted to check in with you, my audience. What do you need now in your healing journey? What are your goals? What are you struggling with, dealing with, or even resigned to that you don't think will ever change? What has been there lingering in the background that you just don't want to drag into yet another year? I want to hear from you. I want to connect and be sure that we are delivering on the topics of information and inspiring stories to support you in your healing journey. When Kendra and I first crafted the idea for Heal, it definitely came out of my personal desire to put as much goodness and possibility of health and healing out into the world. And not actually here just to entertain you. My true heart's desire is that this show makes a difference in your life and supports you to take action to live health and heal. Also, I want to be sure that you know, I have a comprehensive deep dive medical health consulting practice where I meet with my clients virtually from all over the world, and I have room for you. Many people ask me if I'm taking new clients, and while I love that y'all think I'm book solid 100% of the time, actually, I want you to know I am available. I offer a free 30-minute exploration conversation to anyone interested in working with me to learn more about each other and how my approach may make a difference for you. Commonly, I work with people dealing with hormone issues, gut and digestive issues, chronic fatigue, autoimmune disorders, mold toxicity, chronic allergies, migraine headaches, insomnia, and people who have dealt with chronic anxiety and depression looking to support their body's biochemistry in addition to healing their emotional and mental challenges. While that may seem like quite a list, most of those diseases are connected and disorders are connected. So we will bridge the gap to bring it all together to elevate your health and your well-being and get your life back. I have a deeply intuitive and scientific-based approach. Yes, both. I bridge the worlds of coaching, spiritual energy healing, and doctoring to bring you the best tools you need to get your life and your health back as efficiently and effectively as possible. The early months of the new year come with an increasing light each day, bringing new vision, new motivation, and new energy. As the seeds you planted last summer and fall, deep beneath the soil are slowly waking up and gathering their power to sprout new futures this spring. This is the perfect time to take new action and create health and a pathway to healing. I'm here for you. If you have felt called to find out more about the possibility of working together, please reach out on my Connect page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com, and let's talk. Also, please contribute to the show with guest ideas or topic ideas or how-to guides or whatever it is that is going to make a difference for you this year in 2023. What do you want to learn about? What do you want to know about? What are you dealing with? You can shoot us an email on that same page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com slash connect. I love you guys. Heal wouldn't exist without you. Thanks so much. Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, we talked to Jason Dombrow about his new children's book about death and grief. 
how do we talk to our children about what they're dealing with and going through when a loved one dies or when they're dealing with grief? Hello Heaven is Poppy There is a true story about Jason's own experience when he was nine years old and his grandfather, one of the most important people in his life, passed away. Now, over 35 years later, he went back to that place where he was at nine years old and created this book about a family of dogs, the Dobermans, who go through the same experiences and spaces that he did back then. He even includes a list of questions to guide adults and parents through these challenging conversations with children, and he wrote a song to go with the story. Meet Jason, meet his real-life dog, Disco, who plays Jason in the book, and join us for the conversation. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. All right, here we are. This is just the freaking best. I am so excited to be here with you, Jason. Thank you so, so, so much for agreeing to do this and and share your story and your book here with us today on Heal. Thank you so much, Sarah. Good to be here. I'm going to mostly let you talk about you because you're the expert on that, but I am just really honored to be here with a trendsetter author, songwriter, professional organizer, all all the things, right? Actor, you've got quite an eclectic background, but I've known you, I don't know, we've known each other for quite some time, six, seven years, something like that. And I think this is appropriate. I am totally putting this in. So one of my first favorite memories of you and I, we were at a conference in San Francisco And we and a group of friends decided to go out for dinner and like hang out in downtown San Francisco. And we're walking around town and you had the most extraordinary ability I have ever met in any human being ever. No matter what we said, you could take the end of our sentence and key it up with a lyric of a song. And then you would just like sing this pop song or some known song right off of any (laughs) word or any phrase. That was one of the most fun nights of my life. So I can actually attest to Jason's extraordinary performance capabilities, his quick wit, his brilliant Uh mind. Like, I mean, that's like, that's one of the best ways, just an extraordinary. And didn't I propose to you at one point? There was one time that I think I I did. (laughs) Not not I, uh, actually, appreciate- not actually, but yeah. Yeah, no. I I hope it. Uh, you know, I have. I'll accept that build up. So thank you, and I do love song lyrics, and I'm attached to association. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was sure. it was really awesome. Cool. Well, <laughs> that was a fun. We can actually discuss a little bit about this specific topic of what we're here to talk about today. And you have yeah. recently published a kids' book about death. And And grief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And grief. Okay, good. And like, I'll be totally honest. When you first reached out to me, I, you know, I mean, I, as my audience well knows, my dad passed away in May and, you know, I'm going through all the phases of the first year. And even for me, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that eventually. (laughs) Like, like I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, and then I'm like a kid's book and like I had, you know, that's all me that's over here. And now, the more we've talked about it and you've shared about the story and everything, like I'm I'm ecstatic. Like I literally am am so grateful that you took this project on. I'm I'm so honored to get to share about it here with our audience and and really like I do, I've got tons of questions. I want to know about the story. I want to know about how it came about, like how we even ended up here. So I'm gonna kind of hand it over to you to talk about the the book. What what's the title? It's called Hello Heaven is Poppy There. 
Okay, great. And, and, and give us a little bit about the premise. Available on Amazon. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. This book is a true story about when I was nine years old and my grandfather died and I came home from school and my mother told me and I just didn't understand. I didn't know what heaven was. I didn't know where he went. I didn't know I could how I couldn't talk to him anymore. I didn't. I just didn't understand. Like I couldn't comprehend death because I'm like, what do you mean? I just, I haven't talked to him. I haven't said goodbye. I haven't said, you know, like I haven't said I loved you. Like all these things. And I got really caught in it because he was like my favorite person. You know, like everything we he ever did for me was always fun. And he always nurtured my, uh, my imagination and playfulness and let me just play and imagine as a kid. And that really was you know, a gift that he gave me and, and, and sort of why this book came about or how it came about was I had to deal with it on my own because my family, we talked about it, but it was like, he disappeared after like a week of his past, you know, after he died, it was like, you know, Oh, think about grandpa. And then, and then it was like, grandpa who, you know, like, it was just like, it disappeared and I was not over it. And like people weren't and, talking about you know, it or it wasn't still in the conversation after he died. Yeah, it was like his whole memory disappeared. Mm. Uh, talking about how I felt disappeared, how, you know, I never talked about how I felt about how he died I, or, you know, that he died. It was always like, I'm just upset. But there was so many things that I was holding inside about that I didn't think anyone I don't I don't know I was just afraid to share it I suppose but you know like when I started doing what this book talks about about contacting heaven and talking to my grandfather that was just in my imagination mm. but it helped me heal my whole if you will from not being able to say goodbye and not being able to say I love you it really was my own time my own space my own imagination my own feelings and thoughts and it was expressed in such a pure and honest way. And like I never shared the story in 35 years. And the only person who knew part of the story was my nephew, who whose uncle died when he was nine. And so I attempted to kind of share it, but it was not done very well. And I kind of just kind of retreat, retreated back, if you will, to hold on to the story. And then, I don't know, just something came over me one day and... It said it's time to tell this story and share it, and and that's what happened. I, I wrote a, the story in about eight days, and in the middle, I had to deal with that, you know, from the the people that helped me write it. it. You know, it wasn't clear that Poppy died, and so I had to deal with like really expressing what happened. You know, here I am writing a book about death and loss and grief and how to talk about it, and I wasn't even talking about it. So it was a lot of allowing myself to really be open and honest and authentic about the story and not judge myself for what it was or what I did. And and when I was releasing it, it's just, you know, there's always the fear of what people are going to say about it. But it was like, I just needed to let it go. Mm -hmm. And and that was a huge part of my healing with my own life. But it was just like, it's now not my story. It's like my grandfather and he and now the world can enjoy him, you know, and 
I got to introduce my my dog Disco plays the main character who is me in the story. And, you know, I got to introduce my dog to my grandfather in some esoteric way. And that made me feel really good. And, you know, my, you know, it's just been well received and, and I appreciate that. And so it was written to make a difference. And that's, I hope how it came about. And I answered your question. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's start with just talk about some of the premise of the book itself. Like you created this inside of a kid's book and it's a family of dogs, the Dobermans. Yes. Right. So tell us about that process. Yeah. The company I hired, Dinosaur House, to help me write the book, you know, initially I thought they were going to ghostwrite it. And then as it came about, it just, they gave me the space to write it. They gave me a safe space, is really what they did. And they kind of, you know, that Olympic event where they clear the snow away so that the puck can, I don't know what they call curling, I think it is. Curling, yes. It's like, that's what they did for me to be able to tell this story because I was so afraid to tell it. And it's not like it's a scary story. It's not at all. <laughs> but, you know, it's like when you're that open and that vulnerable about something that really matters to you, you're very, a little protective. And they were just as protective. So it allowed me to tell the story in a way that was honest and authentic. And suddenly I forgot your question and where I was going. About the dogs. So how, 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 like just oh, right. the, the premise of the book and the dogs. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. So we just decided because they that's what they do. They write kids books. I thought of the dog idea because I just thought kids love like who doesn't love a dog? I mean, I'm not getting into cat and dog. You know, <laughs> just, but yes. Yeah. A totally. whole different podcast of healing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, not one's better than the other. Let me just say that. I mean, I love my dog completely. But he's my first dog and he's Doberman and part Rottweiler and German Shepherd. And it was just like make it fun for the kids, you know, but also provide parents with something that a nine-year-old created. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As a, as a opportunity to talk about something that's not easy to talk about. And, you know, there's questions in the back of the book to help facilitate that. But the story is just like, it literally, as I have, it says on the back of the book, it's an uplifting tale about a child's journey through grief. And to allow the kids to it to be interested, we decided to go with dogs. And Timmy, the guy at Dom Dinosaur House, came up with the Doberman name, which I thought was super cute. My last name is Dombrow, so it was very similar. I was like, that's perfect. And there's a lot of, you know, it's like I threw in some things about, you know, a princess trying to save this princess. You know, like, it's just, it's fun. It's, a, it's an uplifting story, and it's very honest. And, you know, we made the dogs like humans, but it's a... It's a fun story told in yeah. cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love the way that you create it as this is a true story told through the Dobermans and this family and, and, you know, with, with Disco as your, as your, you know, who is actually your dog. It, it just blends so many parts together. It's, it's really beautiful. And, you know, from Thank my you. perspective, so my grandfather actually passed away when I was nine, which is interesting, but I had a very different relationship with him. And my mom and her father had a different relationship. They weren't close in a particular way. And so he wasn't a major, he was kind of more like a fictitious character in my life, but he wasn't an active role. And, and, and I can relate to the conversation of like, I didn't even know what to do with that. He was dead. There was sort of, he was there mm -hmm. and now he's not there. And, and it was like, I, I wasn't deeply impacted because he wasn't a major person in my life at that point. But I even remember just being like, 
Okay. And so I can get that. And when I shared about my dad's death, that's starting to get, but that's right. But what you just described was my experience. Like, what do you mean? Like that, it's not concern, that curiosity, that, that wonderment, that, but how could this be like unimaginable, like doesn't compute in my brain moment what you just described was exactly why this book was written. That's awesome. Yeah. And like from the broader perspective, when I was in the process of being with my dad as he was dying and then after he did die and then I chose to do, you know, there's a three series set of episodes about his diagnosis, being with him through death and and after death that we did at the beginning of the season on Heal. You know, part of that for me was telling the story and and to to have others have access to that to make a difference for them. And one of the things I confronted was in my adult life, 42 years, how little, if at all, I've talked about death. I've dealt with death. I've even, you know, it's like this major part of our life. Everyone does it and everyone has someone in their life who does or many people who do die throughout their lifetime. And and we have a culture right now that really just ignores it, tries to pretend it's not happening. We have a very, you know, fountain of youth focus. Let's keep everything young all the time. And like, and and there was a time, I'm not going to get wax on romantic about the good old days because I don't think it was like that. But if we lived on a farm and, and before kind of what, there's a whole nother conversation about the medicalization of death, we would have been around it more. Like literally dogs, cats, chickens, pigs, cows, people in the neighborhood, people in the family, like, like that was that there was home death, just like home birth was actually completely the norm. And we don't have that at this point. So I think tools like this are so important. And in heal, we talk all the time about how trauma and, and trauma can be defined as what, what often people think of trauma as like violence or major physical acts or or witnessing of, of certain types of abuse but it's not always like that there's little t trauma that can be all these little micro moments throughout our lives that add up where we're left incomplete or we're left without being able to heal something or there is some sort of emotional injury but then that stacks as we grow older each one of these places we can't talk about something we can't express something we kind of close that off and stuff it down. And then we're 16, then we're 17, then we're 22, then we're 33. And each thing that keeps happening gets piled on top of that until we quote, have baggage that we're dragging around with us. It impacts all kinds of things. So this is an amazingly important conversation and to be talking about death. And then I even notice like this next edge of like talking about death to kids, which is so mm-hmm. important because it impacts them and they are going to deal with it. I think to your point just now, yes, for sure, it is something we don't talk about. And I I don't want to necessarily lead too far away here, but there's so many topics we don't talk about. There's so many things that we're afraid to talk about because it's so easy for people to be judged, put down, pushed aside, pushed, you know, told to shut up. I mean, fill in the blank. It's the world doesn't occur at the moment to be a safe place, to be a place where we can talk about the things that are really tough to talk about. Now, I'm not to discount that like you and I could have a conversation and you know, it's one and one, but it's like, 
it only happens sort of when you're like in an intimate moment with somebody and you allow yourself, maybe you're drinking, maybe you're not, maybe you just had a cry or whatever, who knows? But it's like those moments that you allow yourself, those are the moments you remember these days because they're so rare and they're so precious and they provide so much. But we have unfortunately learned as a culture to not talk about things mm -hmm. and and, you know, don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about sex. Don't talk about death. Don't talk about taxes. I don't know. I'm just, don't talk you know, about like money. all the things. Don't that... talk about, yeah. Like, don't yeah. talk about what's not working in your life. Don't talk about, you know, your feelings. Don't talk about grief. Don't talk about depression. We could keep going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's my point. And that's like, this is the, the start of my book is just to start talking about something <laughs> that we don't talk about. And it's, I don't know if it's because we have this hereditary teaching method, if you will. Like we just learn from what the elders tell us, if you will, our elders tell us. And it's like, you know, those stories are being regurgitated. So again, I don't want to go too far off this topic here, but, you know, racism exists because we talk about it. And I mean that in like, we're attached to it being so. There are arguments against the Holocaust. There are arguments have been, you know, like the Trumpsters or whoever. I'm not trying to get into politics or anything. I'm just saying there's a lot of things that kind of exist because there's a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And... And it's like, are these really the stories we want to be telling? Is this really the, the future we're creating? Like, how do we create a future where it is safe for people to talk about things that we don't talk about now? Mm -hmm. That would be a lovely future because everyone would be so freed up because they're not mm -hmm. holding on to things that are holding them back. I mean, this is my assertion. Yeah. I can't say it's the truth. What if we don't have to be that tough or that strong and we can just be honest and human and connect with each other and bring a conversation that's worth having to, you know, in this case with my book to heal about someone you lost or anything you lost that might've left a hole, you know, in you that any grief, any loss, it's not just about a person. It's just about anything. I mean, you may have a house that blew up in a, a hurricane or something and that was your memory. And that was whatever, you know, like that's still a loss. There's, there's, like you said before, there's little T traumas where it's like, you know, that my grandfather dying was a trauma. It was final. It was a point. It was a moment. And, and it obviously affected me so much that I wrote a book 35 years later, but I'm just trying to say, let's, let's talk about things and we don't have to regurgitate the same conversations that we've been. Yeah talking about we get to create new if openings. it doesn't serve we get us to create new safe spaces like even what you talked about around the the company that you worked with and how they you know you thought they were going to ghostwrite it and really what ended up happening is they just created this incredible space for the conversation to come through you and oh, and yes. That's a lot. I mean, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> like that is so right? yeah. a huge part of of why I created this platform and 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 do this is is 
I want Heal to be a place where we get to have uncommon conversations that that we're craving. And and this ties really well into something in our kind of pre-interview preparing for this episode that you shared about the importance of storytelling and who we are as stories and then the difference between storytelling and being entertained. And and I think there's genuine yeah. storytelling in Hollywood and in media. I think there's a lot of beautiful storytelling and there's also a lot of just being entertained. Like like the, both are happening, but then it's, you know, well now I want you to to say it, but is like uh, us. So speak to that part cuz it's it's like it's about the book, but it's the bigger thing than the book of who we are as For sure. Yeah, I, you know, in writing this book, as I, I think I said earlier, you know, once I wrote it, I realized it wasn't my story anymore. It was my gift to the world to keep my grandfather's memory alive, which I think subconsciously when he left was my goal. Like, I have to keep his memory alive. You know, one of the things he used to do that to, to be honest, I failed to, to do, but uh, until now, but he, he used to keep a, a, a bowl of gum in the back bedroom where my brother and I used to sleep. And every time we went to Brooklyn, I mean, this is a little thing in the book. I don't know that, you know, it's told with dog treats, but not gum, but you know, he used to always let us get a pack of gum and we would be able to keep the whole pack and take it with us and da, 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 da. And like, Every time he would always find a way to find my favorite gum, which was bubble yum, wild cherry. I don't think they make it anymore. It's unfortunate because it was so delicious. But, <laughs> you know, it was just like he uh, he just always got you what you wanted and made you happy. And and that was like, that's the story, you know, like a gumball. That's all it is. It's like, you know, like, go have go get a treat and. It made some, you know, me and my brother always light up. But that's, you know, like a, a small snippet of a story. But that's how my grandfather lives for me was he was the one who provided the the gum, you know, the treat bowl. And, you know, every time we would leave, he'd always slip you a 20 and like put it in your hand and like, all right, enjoy, buy yourself something good. But we live in those stories. We live in the memories. And if we don't tell the stories, the people disappear. The, the conversation disappears, the idea disappears. And this is just my attempt at keeping my, my grandfather's memory alive because it was important to me. It mattered to me. He was my favorite person. So why wouldn't I, you know? And if I could make a difference in the meantime, then awesome. Great. And like you even had said earlier, not when we were recording, I was like, ah, we've got to record this. Something really <laughs> profound, which, you know, this isn't the world of this isn't the truth, but it's a it's a place to look from. And and one could say, as mm -hmm. people, as creatures who have language, the way that we do the complex language that we do, you know, you start to ask the question, like, who am I really? And am right. I my body? Am I this physicalness? And then what part of me is in language? Like, what part of me, if all of me is a story. And, and when you said yeah. it earlier, what I actually got struck with is like, if who I am is a story, what popped up immediately was mm -hmm. like, what is the story I want to leave the planet with that I am right. exactly. or that I was. And, and, you know, some of that is dealing with where I'm at in life and, and looking through the lens 
since my father's death, and I know this is very normal, although it's very new to me, is I've had a really profound shift in actually contemplating my own mortality, really getting crystal clear there will come a day when I also die and much more profound for me than it ever was before that there will be a day when my mother dies and when my sister dies and my sister and I have a deal going about, you know, which one of us is leaving first, but, <laughs> you know, and, and it, it, it's, it's sharpened something into a more clear view that I didn't have mm -hmm. before, but I love how you framed it. If that who we are is a story that has me actually really look like you said, what story do I want to leave and what conversations do I want to be having? And the art of storytelling, I say, is one that we all intrinsically have. Like it's an innate gift that that, that is an essential component of who human beings are. And it's a big part of how we connect. And there's actually like PhD programs and extensive research on the fact that storytelling has particular components that's different than just talking or talking about and what we find right. are our connection, intimacy, vulnerability, authenticity, the things that often leave us with the most enjoyable or poignant experiences of what it is to be human with each other. I was going to say a profound experience or a profound moment in time. Yes. And just to take it a step back. Yes, what I am realized from this whole experience and is like we are a story and my grandfather lives in this story now he is you know sort of taken care of if you will like as long as someone reads the book the story is being told i mean in in plain <laughs> understanding yep. i guess but, but if we get that we're a story and we only live in the storytelling and, and as long as our story is being told, we live on. That's our legacy. That's our memory, whatever. You know, it kind of has you take a step back to say, well, what's the story I'm telling now? And is this the story I want to be telling? Mm -hmm. Because we have the freedom to let go of what happened in the past to create our future or to create this moment as we are now, talking about things that expand a story or expand life rather than hide it or keep it individual, it makes it communal. And when a story is communal, it has the power to move you. It has the power to inspire you. It has so much power, but it's because it's being told as a story. Mm -hmm. It's not a lecture, you know, it's not something mm -hmm. else. A story, like you said, when a story is being told, there's certain components. And for me, it's like you just live the story. You're passionate about the moment. You express every little nuance so that people get the sense of and the experience of that moment. That's why movies are so impactful. They didn't, you know, some of the time we're just watching movies to numb out because we don't want to deal with how we feel and we don't want to deal with our emotions and we don't want to deal with reality and we don't want to deal with whatever. But when there's a good story that moves us, sometimes it changes us in such a way that we take new actions and we create new stories that live. But if you take a step back and say, what is the story I'm telling? You know, when I did this for myself, it was really, I keep telling the same story from the past. 
So I keep reliving my past by telling the same story that I don't even like telling. I'm not mm. necessarily this one, but others, you know. Yeah. And the moment I got that we we are a story, it's like, well, no, I'm going to create a new story. And when I turned 46 years old, um, this past November, I, I, there was like an experience of, okay, I'm not living the past anymore. I'm living a life in public. And for me, that's like getting out of myself, that's sharing myself, that's expressing myself, whether it be in clothes, in language, in, you know, jumping around or whatever, in the playfulness of life, you know, because the the funny thing about life is we're kind of, most people sort of prepare for their retirement and death rather than live. They get caught up in the survival rather than the moment. And uh, there's something there to say, and I don't know if I can capture it, but it's like, <laughs> there's just, you know, choose. Do you want to live or do you want to, you know, plan for death? And for me, it's like, let's live and talk about it and have fun and create new things and have it be a bit more communal than it is now. And why not? Because we can, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. we can. And it's just having the belief that a story can have that kind of power that we can look at our story and then say, you know what, I'm not going to talk about my father in that way. I'm not going to talk about my ex in that way or fill in the blank. Yeah, It's like we can say, oh, I'm, you know, empowering myself. I'm going to go out on a date. I'm going to go, you know, do whatever. But it's that creative and generative language that tells a story with passion that life happens and let's live and then we'll worry about dying when we're dead. Well, it's <laughs> it's so interesting to me how this is coming up that we're talking about a book about death and grief and yet there's so much aliveness, but that's perfect, right? Because we deaden ourselves too soon where we withhold, stop communicating, can't express, get stuck, get trapped. Like those are all the places where that numbness often comes in. And, and so where we can free ourselves up into greater aliveness is through communication through storytelling through release through you know whatever we need to do in that like like the healing process and you know and and if we go back to like for my own experience of grief with my dad and I'm still in the midst of it in some ways although I can tell like I'm kind of in a new phase for myself it's been about seven months that is a lot about yeah. There's still a missing for my dad, but I've really been starting to integrate the impact of him not being here anymore and what that means for my life. And mo both my mom and I actually been talking a lot about this. Like we're, we're not fully, we're, we're sort of in this space of like, we're willing to start wondering and dreaming about things again. We're not quite ready to like take mm -hmm. action and make a bunch of stuff happen, but there has been more and more just the last couple, six weeks or so. I guess like maybe even four weeks we're having mm -hmm. more conversation. Well, what, like, what if we lived somewhere else? What if we sold one of the houses and we kept this? What if, what if this, what if, you know, there, there's, is this like, like after the wildfire burns everything to a crisp and then the soil sits for a while, little seedlings start sticking their necks out and, and new life comes up. And 
not fully to the place of like, yeah, I'm just ready to party. But I'm like, I can feel that coming through. And so much of that has come from my experience of freedom to express myself around my grief for my dad, talk about the death process. I mean, I went super public with it, which not everyone has to, but that was at all. But, you know, for me, that was my self-expression and part of me getting to share my dad, you know, and there may be more things in the future of what else I might want to do in, in that same space. But I just, I think it's really perfect in the kind of relationship between these two conversations that are really one about not just having our life be about, well, and I have a different context for preparing to death, which is the best preparation for death is living an extraordinary life. Like that preparing for death is like the willingness to (laughs) totally complete at your death, totally fulfilled with your life because you, you, you know, left every door open, you lived it, you, you, you fully experienced it. So it's kind of, that is my preparation for death, but I get where you're coming from of like, where we put everything off, like I'm going to do that later or when I retire or I'm, you know, all of that versus experiencing the fullness of it now. Well, yeah, I mean, I could be an anomaly. I get it, but it's like, I don't do anything that doesn't make me happy. And you know, in this process of writing this book and turning 46 and having a little contextual shift for me, it was like, I've been living stuck. And what I mean by that is that I've been so traumatized by what I couldn't do, what I wasn't allowed to do, that that became, I'm not allowed to do anything. Mm. Getting my dog was such a, I was 44 at the time. And I'm like looking around and I see all these people with dogs. And, you know, it was just, you know, you hear the same thing in probably everybody's household when you want to get a dog. Oh, who's going to walk them? Who's going to walk them when it rains? You know, they're expensive. Da, 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 da. You know, that's one way to talk about it. And then there's, you know, the people that have dogs and they're like, oh my God, they're the best. You know, I mean, we cuddle every morning. It's like the greatest every, I love my dog. And, but it's like, I was looking around going, how come everyone else could have a dog, but I'm here 44 years old and I can't. What story is that? Hmm. What is that about? Why am I not allowed to get a dog now? Like, am I still living under this turmoil from my past? Yes. Can I change that? Absolutely. And obviously I got a dog <laughs> and the things that I learned from getting a dog are responsibility, trust. I mean, he has opened me up to love again. You know, I mean, there's just, you know, because I gave my grandfather my whole heart because he's my favorite person, if you will. And, and disco is like, he taught me again, that it's okay to love and that it's okay to open up. And, you know, when I got him, I said to him, I said, I have to love you knowing that you're going to die. Mm. And it was like the condition in which I can get a dog for myself because I knew I didn't want to necessarily deal with the pain like I did with my grandfather, but I knew that that was what the price was. And so, you know, I always, I mean, this is just general for my own thinking, which is probably something I should work on in therapy, but it's like I'm always, since my grandfather died, it's always what do I need to say to you to be complete so that when I walk away, if you die, there's nothing left between us to be said. 
did I hurt you? Is there something to apologize for? Can we have fun? Did it like, did I say, I love you? You know, I usually end every call with, you know, love you because I do, I love the people that are in my life and I want them to know. And why shouldn't we say it? And, you know, but to live in the, like, who's going to die first? Am I going to die? Is my dog going to die first? Like, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like life just goes. And it's like, but to take on that responsibility of being a dog owner and knowing that this dog is going to die someday and it's going to break my heart. I had to be okay with that. And that's like the, that's also something we don't talk about. Like with love comes the, the sadness, if you will, of the loss of that, yeah. you know, where'd the love go, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it doesn't take death for that to happen. I mean, we, Many of the Buddhist teachers that I've read, Tara Brock talks about this and, and oh my gosh, I'll get her name in just a second. Namgel is right there. Ah, but it's a couple of my favorite Buddhist authors. It is like right there of to love is to accept heartbreak. Mm -hmm. And I can see many times throughout my life. And I've even been watching since dad died. I, I like there has been a, okay, we're closing down the heart. We're like, putting the walls up mm -hmm. a bit. And and some of that is a very healthy, natural part of when someone's in a deep grief or deep vulnerable space, we can kind of cocoon ourselves up to take care of things. I mean, if a wounded animal will go curl up in a cave for a while until it heals. And, and when we're really sick, we kind of cocoon up. And so I, 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 I've been honoring that in myself for a while, but recently I've been really noticing through some past things in relationships and some family stuff. Plus my dad's death is like, one could say I'm noticing my heart wall. Like I'm noticing where I, I have had more and more of those moments of like, no, I'm not willing to deal with the heartbreak. I don't want to go through that again, but what it's costing me of mm -hmm. those connections, those experiences, that intimacy. And it's, it's like, and I wouldn't say this is a, it's, it's just coming up for me recently in this whole inquiry of what does it mean to process my father's death and, and, and now have a whole new relationship to death as a whole and, and really witnessing those places. And it, it they are very, very interconnected is, and then I, I'm still getting this conceptually. I, I can't say I've fully embodied it yet, but many people as dad passed had talked to me and I've seen a lot of readings about the depth of grief is directly proportional to the depth of love that was there. And, and it's not sure. a judgment or a criticism against anything. It's just something to be noticed. And, and in that way, you know, and I think actually I said it on the podcast, Kendra, my producer asked me, you know, what has been the, the greatest gift of your dad dying, which is kind of a weird question in some senses. Right. And what was there for Reframe. me, was, right. Was like, getting to experience how much I loved him. And it wasn't that clear to me when he was alive as it has been when he died. Like I always knew my yeah. dad meant a lot to me and I don't feel like I took him for granted, but there's a certain degree that we just do. And it wasn't until he died that it's become so apparent how big of an influence he was on me and how involved he was in my life now that it's completely absent. Yeah. These are like, even yeah. when you said that about, getting your dog and that I'm going to love you knowing you're going to die. And like that, taking that on, like you couldn't see it cause we're on audio, but that I got me like the emotions started to come forward in that there was something that really like that universal truth 
you know, hit my heart. Yeah, there's a couple of things to say. First of all, it's what's there for me to say from something you said earlier was that you were creating with your mom. You know, there are, might be people out there that are listening to this podcast that aren't dealing with death, that aren't dealing with grief, that aren't dealing with loss. But they can still play a role in creating a safe space, mm -hmm. in creating compassion and kindness, allowing people to talk to them or can, for them to console the people that are dealing with that. Life is a anticipatory sport, if you will, where the more we play together, the more fun we have, the more we create the, you know, and the more we separate and withhold and you could just, even in me telling you, you can hear the difference in the, <laughs> the arenas of like, well, you know, th those are our choices every day. Do we want to go that way or this way? And, and sure, there might be other choices too, but it's like, maybe what we've been doing works, but there's another way. And maybe that other way could be more beneficial to more people at the same time. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but maybe, why not try? Mm -hmm. You know, and to deal with, and to look at it like you're always a participant, even if you're not doing anything or not talking to anybody, you're still participating in life. And that, you know, you're just on the sidelines, let's say. Fine, fair, everybody needs to sit down and take a rest from time to time. From, you know, life, it gets a little overwhelming sometimes and there's your responsibility of allowing you know to to deal with the story you're telling and it's also what's the word a collaborative exp an expression if you will for the person who's listening and they're both required mm -hmm. they're both equally important they both equally create and if 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 anybody just takes that away, you know, great. You know, be the change you wish to see in the world, right? Yeah. So you could either be that story and change it that way or be this story and go that way. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a completely new thing that would happen because you chose different. Maybe your life will take a whole new direction and allow yourself to express yourself or live in a certain way or love in a certain way or whatever that wasn't available until you chose something else. And I think it's important that we understand that we're not stuck, that there's always someone to talk to about any subject. Even if you have to go talk to a therapist, I think therapy gets a horrible rap. Not on this show. We talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I said, not on this show. We talk about it a lot. It's a, it's a really important yeah. integral tool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today without it. And the, I've been in therapy for the last two years just to be authentic here and honest. And I don't know that I would have been where I am now having written a book and a song um, and, you know, expressing myself creatively if I had not been going to therapy. Because yeah. I just never knew there was a way to deal with what I was holding on to. And now that I'm letting it go, it's like I have more freedom to play because I chose different. I chose. Well, I've actually chose seen that. that totally. I've seen that in myself. I've seen that in my patients, my clients a lot is as we actually do some of those deeper levels of healing, which 
therapy can bring about and psychedelic medicine can bring about and mindfulness practices can bring about. And, you know, that level of working on, for me, my relationship to myself and my heart and healing, interestingly enough, my self-expression went up. Like I had to do particular work of healing to make this podcast. Like this was not just an easy, no big deal. I want to go totally public and, you know, have it recorded for in ever out in the world, you know, that, that took something. And, and what I found is that's actually very common is that healing process happens before. And then as we go through that, we get freed up to express ourselves and to contribute to others in new ways. So you, you said that really perfectly and beautifully. And we haven't talked about the song. Mm -hmm. There's a song that's connected to the book as well. Tell us about it. Yes, it's called it's called Hey Poppy. It's available on any streaming platform, uh, Spotify, YouTube, you know, Amazon Music. We'll have Apple that Music. all in the show notes too, guys, so you can look it up on the website. Yeah, the book is available exclusively on Amazon if you didn't hear me earlier. But the song, the book is about how I dealt with my grandfather's death. The song is about the day I found out about his death and how it impacted me. Mm-hmm. So they're tied together, but they're totally separate for me. But I did it because it's about my grandfather and they both say something different. You know, it was like, you know, the the song's a little bit on the heartbreak side and the book is a little bit more on the healing side. But I think one of the things that I've learned for myself is that my job here on life is to shine a little bit of light on the darkness and the things that we don't talk about and to give children a voice when they may not have, you know, it's a very courageous act to open up and share something that's hurt you or bothered you or whatever, because there's just that fear of what the other person's going to say. And that's why I kind of said earlier, you know, the more we can take on actively listening that people feel safe and nurtured and comforted and whatever. Um, great. You know, do that. Obviously, there's people that sort of abuse that, but that's a whole other topic. But, you know, it's like, just, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered a lot of ground and a lot of territory in this conversation. And that's, I just love that this is an example of what the book makes available. Like imagine not necessarily that you're going to be yeah. having conversations. You might with your kids about the origins of self coming from stories you tell that could totally be there. But like that, this, this is the example of what, you know, you, you have the book as a tool. It's a tool for parents to work with kids. It's a tool to actually be able to open up these conversations in a family. I actually am certain that this book will make a difference for adults and, and especially adults who, who've dealt with loss as a child, it could really get in to recreate some things for them going back to the, some of those inner child experiences to help pull things. So I, I have a sense, this is just like a, for everyone and I am so grateful for where we got to. Like, I had no idea where we would end up in this conversation today. And it's been really juicy and and really important. And thank you for the courage and the willingness to make this project happen and take it on and put yourself out there and be public like you created. Now, thank you. And thank you for being a curler. <laughs> <laughs> Clearing to, the ice. That's right. To me, yeah. To allow yeah. me to have this platform. And thank you for having this platform. And thank you to anyone who listens and buys the book or the song or both or anything. And I will just say, if you want to follow my dog on Instagram and get in touch with me, you can through Disco Dog Official is his 
call sign, I guess. I don't know what you call it. Ha- handle. Called. It's called a handle. <laughs> a handle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, I hope people, you know, get something of value for for, yeah. for what they get. Absolutely. This is so, so great, great Jason. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I can't wait to hear how things continue to evolve. And thank you for generosity and, and sharing your story here with us today. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me on. It's good to see you and good to hear you. Thank you to today's guest, Jason Dombrow, for his heart, love, and commitment to others. For all the resources for today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com slash podcast. And as always, thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next time. Hey, Poppy, how are you? How are you? It's really nice to talk to you. Talking to you. Hey, Poppy, you know I love you too. Okay, guys, it's 2023. What does that mean? Well, as much as I may want to resist going with the ye old New Year's resolutions, I do find that in January, I have a renewed sense of energy and desire to make some changes and get back on or just get on for the first time, the horse of health and well-being. Now, in the midst of our seventh season of Heal, I wanted to check in with you, my audience. What do you need now in your healing journey? What are your goals? What are you struggling with, dealing with, or even resigned to that you don't think will ever change? 
What has been there lingering in the background that you just don't want to drag into yet another year? I want to hear from you. I want to connect and be sure that we are delivering on the topics of information and inspiring stories to support you in your healing journey. When Kendra and I first crafted the idea for Heal, it definitely came out of my personal desire to put as much goodness and possibility of health and healing out into the world. And not actually here just to entertain you. My true heart's desire is that this show makes a difference in your life and supports you to take action to live health and heal. Also, I want to be sure that you know I have a comprehensive deep dive medical health consulting practice where I meet with my clients virtually from all over the world, and I have room for you. Many people ask me if I'm taking new clients, and while I love that y'all think I'm book solid 100% of the time, actually, I want you to know I am available. I offer a free 30-minute exploration conversation to anyone interested in working with me to learn more about each other and how my approach may make a difference for you. Commonly, I work with people dealing with hormone issues, gut and digestive issues, chronic fatigue, autoimmune disorders, mold toxicity, chronic allergies, migraine headaches, insomnia, and people who have dealt with chronic anxiety and depression looking to support their body's biochemistry in addition to healing their emotional and mental challenges. While that may seem like quite a list, most of those diseases are connected and disorders are connected. So we will bridge the gap to bring it all together to elevate your health and your well-being and get your life back. I have a deeply intuitive and scientific-based approach. Yes, both. I bridge the worlds of coaching, spiritual energy healing, and doctoring to bring you the best tools you need to get your life and your health back as efficiently and effectively as possible. The early months of the new year come with an increasing light each day, bringing new vision, new motivation, and new energy. As the seeds you planted last summer and fall, deep beneath the soil are slowly waking up and gathering their power to sprout new futures this spring. This is the perfect time to take new action and create health and a pathway to healing. I'm here for you. If you have felt called to find out more about the possibility of working together, please reach out on my connect page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com, and let's talk. Also, please contribute to the show with guest ideas or topic ideas or how-to guides or whatever it is that is going to make a difference for you this year in 2023. What do you want to learn about? What do you want to know about? What are you dealing with? You can shoot us an email on that same page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com slash connect. I love you guys. Heal wouldn't exist without you. Thanks so much.